Missouri Loves Company. I'm Brock Wilbur. I'm Vivian Kane. This is our show about moving to Missouri, taking part in politics here and in Kansas, uh, meeting cool people. Being married. Being married. Doing stuff. Being married at first sight. Folks, I regret to inform <laughs> you we are back on our bullshit. Uh, we've never <laughs> talked about it on this show, but one of our favorite shows in the world is a show called Married at First Sight. I was going to save it till the end, and now I have nothing We're to talk about. We're doing it at the front. Uh, it's a show uh, about arranged marriage in the United States where they take a pool of like a thousand people in like Atlanta. And from them, they select three couples who get married when they're walking down the aisle at their actual wedding. And then the show follows them. They, they meet at their wedding. They, they their meet wedding, at yeah. the wedding. Uh, and, and it follows them through a lot of like, well, will they kiss at the wedding? Will they kiss in the pictures? Will they have sex on their wedding night? Uh, and then like trying to move on with their lives, like moving in with each other, mm-hmm. going on it's, honeymoons. It's for two months. And then at the end of the two months, they get to decide if they want to stay married or get divorced. And it's the only reality show that we really watch and we're obsessed with it it is also such bullshit sometimes uh, the the people that are the relationship experts one of them is an older woman named dr pepper which right there you're just like this this isn't real none of this is great and most of the the professionals talking over this stuff are just saying like the most important part of a relationship is communication and you can you could just use the same voice clips from them every season but we found seven seasons of it on Hulu. we've watched one before and now we're bouncing around them because the new season is airing right now and in the new season uh, one of the couples went to the airport to go on their honeymoon and uh, the the female in the relationship was detained and then arrested because there were warrants for her for stalking an ex uh, which which came <laughs> which happened two days after the show did their background check so also the show is going out of their way to be like, it's let's not our just fault. say it's not <laughs> yeah. us here that didn't know about the thing. And then she just keeps lying about it, but then sort of coming out with things. It's yeah. it's a real hard to watch one where you're like, I know how this one ends. I love it because in theory, it's such a fascinating idea because they, like most of the people are in their 30s, early mid 30s. Uh, the whole point of it is like, you know, they've been through relationships and it just hasn't worked. And like, what happens if you get paired by, you know, ostensible experts? And what happens if you just make a decision to be married, to commit to this person, not to like let a relationship unfold and wait for chemistry and fairy tale stuff? And like, it never what, shits what, on the idea. Yeah, of it, this. it's like, what happens if you just make the decision to commit to this marriage that has been set up by people who, you know, say that they pair, like, they, they do make pretty good pairings it seems like but the problem is that all of the couples involved say they want that but they're all still going on chemistry and does this feel like a fairy tale and it's just it's 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 just it's almost there in theory it's such a good idea and in practice it just is garbage reality tv and so we we love it uh if if we have one bit of advice uh, that we've developed from watching the show it's never watch the teaser for the next episode yeah. because they take things wildly out of context <laughs> and you're just like, boy, everyone here is a monster. Like, and then you get to the episode, it's like, oh, they just, one wanted to go to the pool and one wanted to go to the ocean. No one hit each other. Yeah. What were you trying? And, and now that we're bouncing around seasons, we're getting to see like earlier seasons where the producers were trying to dabble too hard. So like uh, a wedding that we watched last night, uh, the the female in the relationship stop saying fe- stop saying female say the woman, woman in the yeah. relationship uh, her Latin American culture the, uh, Nicaragua Nicaragua yeah I think yeah uh, as part of their culture uh, 
pearls are unlucky at weddings at weddings and then it was clear that they made the guy go to a jewelry store and he's like i'm gonna get these pearls for her to wear because they all they all gave each other gifts and all the other couples gave each other like cute funny gifts and he got this like pearl necklace that clearly the producers pushed him to get you're you're appropriating that that culture and then weaponizing it against somebody on their wedding day Uh, that was one of the first times i've ever looked at the show and been like no there's gonna be enough drama on this show yeah you don't need to fake pearls that's yeah i was like why are we talking about this is it because everything else is just hot garbage in the world uh this is we're we're recording this on the one-year anniversary of unite the right um yeah you you heard about the npr thing yesterday uh they yesterday morning the press was interviewing kessler the guy who runs unite (laughs) the right because that's what we do we just give everyone a platform well not everyone (laughs) everyone uh and uh npr asked him uh to rank his favorite races, and he did. He just started listing races in the order that they are good. And thanks, I was like, thanks, NPR. Thanks, NPR. <laughs> like, I just want to hear the, the close mic interview that tries to set up why they did <laughs> such a thing. And it's just... Boy, we yeah, we don't have to do. No, this seems like a good time to introduce our guest. We have a guest with us, and our guest is... <laughs> Rachel Gonzalez. Rachel, Hi. thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Sorry about our long rant. <laughs> we watch garbage TV because we are alone. Together. It was, it was Together. A very interesting rant. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know we were starting off with that. Cool. Someday we'll plan an episode yeah. and then it'll just feel so uncomfortable because yeah. we'll have bullet points to hit. Rachel, who are you? Where do you come from? What do you do? My name is Rachel Gonzalez. I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. Ooh. I have been in politics since I was around 15. I got interested when I was around nine. Um, and now I just help on campaigns, um, help issue-based organizations, and try to do everything I can to make a difference. You... What intrigued you at nine? <laughs> at nine years old, um, I was in the third grade <laughs> learning about presidents. And I remember being so mad that we haven't had a female president so I got really excited about Hillary Clinton's campaign um, and then really excited about Barack Obama when um, Hillary lost. But my first ever campaign rally was a rally in 2008 where President Obama was not President Obama. <laughs> President Bill Clinton came to town to stump for Hillary Clinton. And um, I remember telling everyone, hey, I'm voting for Hillary Clinton. And, you know, my mom crushed my dreams because she told me, you know, you're nine, you're not old enough to vote. And so I started a countdown to when I would be old enough to vote. Started 3,179 days until I would be old enough to vote. So when she ran in 2016, I did everything I can to make sure she got the nomination because I wanted to use my first vote on the person who inspired me to get in politics in the first place. And then your dreams were just crushed. Yeah, no, let's not jump again. to the dream crushing. But before you could vote, you were, what, the youngest ever delegate? Yeah, I was uh, Missouri's youngest ever elected delegate, um, elected at 17 in Missouri's 5th Congressional District. I ran against over 15 other women that were all amazing, and I did not expect to win, but I somehow did, and I remember being so excited and um, going home crying because it was just so like emotional like this like just actually happened is kind of what like my is there a were. rule mm-hmm. about how young somebody can be like was is 17 like the cutoff or can anybody of any age ostensibly be elected? so the rule is you have to be 18 by the general election oh, and wow. my birthday 
is in October. Oh, wow. So I barely made the cutoff. Wow. And that's how I became the, the youngest Hillary Clinton delegate at the 2016 convention. Wow. So that, that convention also had from Missouri uh, the guy that uh, was a professional wrestler who was a Bernie delegate and then became part of the DNC. Oh. Did you ever get to hang out with him? I have met Curtis well. He is he's very nice. Uh, he very interesting guy. Uh, you could tell that he is very passionate about everything that he believes in, and I have a lot of respect for that. I I, I interviewed him, uh, yeah, about a year back, and I was just like, I really, we we always have, I think, some tension with uh, Bernie folk because. <laughs> There's some resentment there, but I appreciated that he was the sort of person that was like, let's stay in the party and fix this from within. Yeah. And I was like, we can we can have a conversation, you and I. I mm-hmm. think that'll go well. Exactly. Yeah. Curtis has always been very nice to me, and I like to extend the same courtesy. Uh, so how was the, the delegation? I really liked our delegation. I think that um, we got along very well. The Bernie, the Hillary delegates, um, I never had a problem. They were all very nice to me. I mean, of course, I was like the cute 17-year-old <laughs> that nobody could be mean to, but um, they were all very nice and uh, very excited that I was there. What, what, can you explain what kind of responsibilities you have as a delegate? So as a delegate, the biggest responsibility and really the only responsibility mm-hmm. is going to the convention, voting on the platform, and um, casting your vote for the presidential nominee. Did you get a chance to meet Hillary? I have met Hillary Clinton eight times. Wow. Um, I have, like, a, a collection of selfies with her that my friends like to make fun of. Um, did you see her lizard tail? I did not. <laughs> did I miss this? <laughs> no, just the theory that she's a lizard person. <laughs> you know, that people on the internet like to say. It's so weird. In every photo with her, she's eating pizza in front of a gate. It's <laughs> it's like she's trying to tell us something. Is, you, I, I mean, you were so close to the election. What was the worst part of it for you? I mean, other than the, the end the of end, it. The end, yeah. <laughs> what was the um, worst part of it? Yeah, I mean, there, the was, just, uh, there was so much that <laughs> yeah. you had to deal with about, like, reading on the internet just every oh, day. You're like, what? What, is, exactly. what are we fighting that, against? That probably was the worst. Um, yeah, so when I became a delegate, um, the week of the convention, I did 37 interviews in five days. Wow. Um, I did radio, TV, uh, newspapers. I was on the front page of the New York Times Women in the World uh, website. Wow. Um, and I definitely like was told multiple times, like, do not read the comments. But, you know, <laughs> I'm like very curious about like what people are saying. So I'm Why like, shouldn't let I me read go. Comments. Let Let's me go read it. these comments. Were, were, were the interviewers trying to be like a, a gotcha dick to you for being a 17 year old? Like she won't know the answer to this. Um, I didn't experience that much, but right. I definitely like had my points together. So maybe <laughs> I would have if I didn't. <laughs> But um, yeah, so reading the comments, people were very awful. But oh, and no, you did it. <laughs> yes, and um, at some point, you just have to realize, like you know, these people don't know me. I don't know them. Their opinions of me don't actually matter. Mm. Um, the things that actually were hurtful were like people that I actually knew. Like if they said something, like someone at school, I'm like, hey, I went to school with you since preschool, and I've always been nice to you, and oh, you're no. saying something that's so mean. So um, those were the ones that were hurtful. But the people who are just on the Internet posting stuff, saying mean things, those didn't bother me at all. And so you 
you've spent the summer in DC, right? You just got back yeah, on just Tuesday back. for the primary. Um, so what's that been like? Um, it's been um, an interesting experience coming back um, because I came back literally the day of the primary election and I got off the plane, uh, went home, uh, took like a nap and I woke up and I had like this very bad allergic reaction. And I was like, <laughs> I had like spots all over my face and I'm like, I'm still going to vote. Like I was very dedicated to making sure I was going to vote. So I actually went to go vote and then I went to the doctor. Oh wow! So I'm that crazy person, but that I guess just shows my dedication to making sure I vote. Everyone heard it. Rachel recommends putting politics above your own health. That's the advice that, that you got that here. That is politics, I think. <laughs> yeah. In so, um, 2018, I think voting is self-care. Yes. So um, that's what I put on my Twitter page. That's where I'm going to keep promoting that um, it is self-care to vote. So. So, you, so you've been interning with the DNC this summer, right? Yes. And you're studying uh, is it political science? Yes. And criminal justice, yes. you said? So do you – what do you – what do you want to do when you're done with school and all this? Do you want to get into politics yourself? Yeah. So um, I would like to go to law school first, and I want to become a civil rights attorney and do uh, like racial discrimination cases, gender bias cases. And um, I definitely do have plans to run for office someday, but um, just taking it one step at a time. Seems like a good time to be getting into uh, discriminatory litigation because there's going to be a lot of work in that over the next six <laughs> years, like uh, especially against our government. That's yeah, absolutely. Just <laughs> you just went real pessimistic and said six years. I, I know what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> Who do you think the future of the, uh, the Democratic Party is? I think that um, there's a lot of people that are the future of the Democratic Party. I don't think that we can have one face of the Democratic Party because the Democratic Party represents so many people, so many backgrounds, so many races and religions that there can't just be one face of the Democratic Party. Uh, do you? Are there some rising stars? I, yeah, I didn't mean to ask, like, <laughs> who's the next person we pledge our allegiance to? Like, who do you like in, like, people that might be doing stuff in, in more local government sort of things or people that you've met through the DNC? Um, I um, didn't meet, like, a lot of people through, like, my internship. I, or I, you probably met the convention. Yeah. <laughs> you probably met the convention. I did meet a lot of people through the convention. Um, but I think that one of the greatest people that I always talk about is Jason Kander. And I yeah. know you guys know Jason Kander. <laughs> I was going to say, um, if, if you could bring up who you think the next rising, I'm holding Kander's book yeah. here. <laughs> you were just like dropping that hit. You are just waiting for me to say well, it. Well, we found you because a number of people kept uh, writing to Majority 54 saying that you should be on the show and our season we is done. We you. So we couldn't. So it's like, yeah, yeah, we'll get you on ours like right away. That would be. <laughs> I have gained like what I call like my Twitter fans over the past <laughs> few years. And it's like really crazy because there's like a lot of people who are like, go Rachel, like we support you. And I'm like, I've never met you before, but oh. thanks so much. <laughs> like, You've replaced uh, the shitty kids that you went to grade school with who are mean to you on internet comments <laughs> with internet strangers who are nice to you. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> it's a weird world we live in. Yeah. It's a very world. Yeah. I guess I did the very same. That's <laughs> yeah, I'm same. Me yeah. too. <laughs> We're yeah. both internet people, so some of our best friends are people we've never met. Thank you, friendly Hi, strangers. Uh, please write and review the show. <laughs> He's not a, Terrence is not a stranger. Well, I've never met him. Yeah, I guess that's... <laughs> 
Yeah, I guess I haven't met him either yeah. by that term. Although we've done hundreds of hours of content together. I'm just saying people you've never met can uh, be better than the ones you have on the internet. Sometimes. Terrence, edit out our friendship. No. Oh, don't. <laughs> it's tricky now. So who were you uh, excited about in this uh, last Missouri-Kansas primary season? So on the Missouri side, I was definitely rooting to take down Prop A yeah. uh, and protect mm-hmm. unions. So I was very excited about um, which we did. How that turned out? <laughs> uh, Prop A for people that mm-hmm. aren't from here. Yes. Uh, right to work. Uh, yeah. Law. Which really just means right to get worked over. Law. Yeah. B- bust unions <laughs> yep. and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it would. It. So the. Like, anti-union organizations poured so much money into this. It was supposed to be on the November ballot, Uh and they moved it to August because they knew that would get less turnout. uh, And we still, it was still defeated by a two-to-one margin. Kander was getting a lot of questions from people online. It's like, well, what, what, which way should I go on this? Because my buddy says that maybe he should vote for it. And uh, he's like, Kander was like, well, one side has just a bunch of giant corporate money on it. Which side do you think is going to pay workers better? I... It's yeah. pretty obvious, guys. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that in the voting booth, when they give you that thing that just explains what, what the pros and cons mm-hmm. of voting for a thing are, they should also be able to show you where some of the money is coming from on these things. Well, and if something's just like all NRA or something, you should be able to be know that. So this was our first election uh, here in Missouri. And in California, they they have like the argument for and the argument against and i'm pretty sure that like the advocates for for and against get to write those statements and i was surprised to not see that cuz that was always really helpful uh because when you write out like any bill or anything really like it sounds like a good thing like oh yeah i want this thing to exist or i want to not pay more taxes but like to yeah to know where the money's coming from to know the specific arguments I feel like those should be written out on the ballot, and they always have been when I voted before. I, I do not think that people were allowed to write their own on that because that those uh, write-outs were always so balanced and calm. Right. Like, I think if they wrote them out, it'd be like, keeping out dangerous terrorists. Right. And you'd be like, well, I can tell who wrote this. That's... <laughs> so what about on the Kansas side? Who are you excited on about? On the Kansas side... Um... I mean, I don't, I don't live in Kansas, so mm-hmm. I didn't have a stake in it. Right. I was, I but tried it's like to be right there. Like, <laughs> yeah, I tried to be very neutral in the primary because I was doing a lot of stuff with March for Our Lives, Town Hall for Our Lives, and uh, Road for Change. And so when I held like a town hall for all six of the Democratic candidates on the Kansas side, I was fair to all of them, nice to all of them, and um, definitely tried to um, be fair and um, not show my bias but I was very Tom Nearman in the beginning because I know a lot of people who know Tom Nearman um, and he's a great teacher a great person but then once I started moving towards the end I started getting very excited about Cherise Davis yeah <laughs> um and Cherise, for people that aren't from here uh, we brought up on the show before mm-hmm. I got to interview her a number of months back she is an openly gay uh, Native American who would be the first Native American ever elected to Congress. The first Native American woman, I uh, believe. Elected to Congress or, or, or uh, Senate? So she would be, what I, all I know is she would be the first Native American Congresswoman ever. Or one, no, yes, uh, the first Native American Congresswoman ever and the first um, openly LGBT person representing Kansas mm-hmm. on the state or federal level. 
Uh, she's she, also a former MMA fighter, was, and in our interview, got really into talking about uh, the Flash and the Arrowverse, which she loves. She just loves a lot of sci-fi. I was like, you should be running on this platform. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, she was also raised by a single mother who was an army vet, and like, she just she's such a wonderful person and her now opponent because she won the primary so her her republican opponent is yoder right kevin yoder um he they're running against each other now in in kansas's third district and he said some bullshit thing about her not being from here and not having kansas values and just got jumped on so hard because her values are in incredibly midwestern uh-huh. uh you can't tell a native american that they're not from here and also she grew up here went away to school and came back so right. like she's from here it was just the most dog whistly thing that he could have said about her he also said all that stuff uh before he even knew who his who he was up against like oh, he was really? saying it about both people like because he went to accept his victory before the Democratic side had come in. So he was just doing this real blanket statement of like, fuck yous yeah. to, to everyone for everything. But that one was definitely aimed towards her yeah. later. Uh, uh, and <laughs> so she was she was running against a couple people. It was what, a six-way mm-hmm. race? Six-way uh, race. Yeah, on the Democratic side. And, and everything I heard of, of who was favored to win was what, Brett? Welder? Brett Welder. Brett yeah. Welder. Um, Bernie and uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez came out to endorse him. He had like twice as much money as everyone else. And Cherise ended up winning. And what happened this week with Brett Welder? And because you said you were very, you tried to be very fair. Mm-hmm. You, you were at this like unity rally and he didn't see it that way, right? What happened? <laughs> So what happened was the day after the election, there was um, a unity lunch on the Kansas side that I was very excited to go to and have everyone unite uh, behind our new candidate. I had tweeted out the same day that uh, congratulations, Sharice Davids, on winning. And then I also tagged the other candidates. Hey, thanks for running. Hope to see you at the unity rally. And I basically said, like, you should be there. Like, you need to be there. And then (laughs) You monster. How dare you? How dare (laughs) you? And so I go to the Unity Rally. I talk to Tom Neerman, shake his hand. Thanks for running. Really appreciate you. Appreciate that you inspired your students. Talk to Mike McCammon. Hey, appreciate you. Appreciate <laughs> everything you've done. Appreciate the interesting perspective you brought. And then uh, I get to Brent Welder and I try to shake his hand. He pulls his hand back like really fast and he just starts yelling at me. And he's like, You're bad for Unity. I don't appreciate your tweets. I was that the tweet he was talking about? Yes. Just saying thank you and you should be at this r- yes. lunch? Yes. Monster. Uh, and he just yelled at me and then I ended up walking away and I like went to go cry because it was just like it's hard when like people that like you look up to and like you have a lot of respect for uh-huh. um, and you realize that they're like not the people that you like had thought that they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was very disappointed. Also, what level of issues do does an adult man need yeah. to have to, to yell at it? <laughs> Like that's you, it's it, yeah to be told and, like hey good good job and good try and like you know in the future you'll do something else like and, and then on Twitter he like denied it and then he said it was true but that he was calm right yeah so at first he said everything Rachel Gonzalez said was false she blocked me on Twitter like it was this big like rant and then he sent out another tweet. I just wanted to tell you that I didn't appreciate your tweet, but I was calm about it. So at first he denied it, and then he said that he did say it, but he was calm. 
Oh my god. Reasonable. Yeah. Well, it's good that we didn't uh, elect him. Yeah. And then I saw your response to that saying that, like, just for clarity, you don't have any issues with, like, the Bernie wing, right? Yeah. Which he is. So I'm assuming that people were... Yeah, a lot yeah. of people on Twitter were uh, saying, you know, this is how all Bernie supporters act, um, and they were uh, attacking the whole Bernie wing of the party, um, and I would disagree with that because I don't think that we should put the fault of one person on an entire group of people, um, so I definitely defended all my friends who did support Bernie Sanders um, because I didn't think that was fair that they were getting um, stuff for that. Yeah. I've I've definitely I've had a lot of issues with um, certain types of Bernie supporters and certain Bernie supporters, um, but like the term Bernie supporter and Bernie bro, <laughs> which I I'm a fan of that term uh, and I use it unapologetically. Those those aren't synonymous, and uh, I know a lot of people get really defensive when I talk or I write about Bernie bros and you know everyone that supported him. I know so many really great people who did and who aren't toxic and who don't yell at other people mm -hmm. that support other candidates. But it is unfortunate that in, in my experience, um, there is a large swath of his supporters that do do that. And it is unfortunate that those people give, uh, give other supporters uh, a really bad name. So I appreciated mm -hmm. that you made that clear that uh, clarification that like and you way, don't way hold to it be against the bigger them. person in this situation yeah. like overwhelmingly <laughs> yeah and, and way to have a situation that even starts from a place of you being such a cool adult human being with uh, that's so kind mm -hmm. and patient with all these people and, and congratulatory yeah. like uh, what a weird place to be like well that's what got me attacked yeah is uh is being more polite than anyone <laughs> else was like, yeah <laughs> yeah and the crazy thing is like this morning, um, Kevin Yoder, like, attacked Brent Welder. Actually, I think it was last night. Yeah. He attacked Brent Welder. And I ended up, like, defending Brent Welder <laughs> to Kevin Yoder. And I'm just like, wait, what am I doing? And people are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, that wasn't fair. Like, <laughs> this is the goddamn nightmare yin-yang situation, is that also around the same time, you wound up in an elevator with Kevin Yoder, who is... Toxic, toxic human being funded by NRA money, just the worst person. And you have spent a lot of time targeting his district because of that. But you had a much better experience, it seems like, with Kevin Yoder than with the person that's on our side. <laughs> Kevin Yoder was actually, like, very nice to me. But the one thing that kind of got me is whenever I told him, I he said, where do you enter? And I said, the DNC. And he said, oh, the evil empire. And I was like, well, I wouldn't call it that. Uh. <laughs> but that kind of annoyed me a little. But he was like, well, I hope you're having fun in D.C. Don't work too hard over there. Um, <laughs> you know, dismantling everything I'm trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. <laughs> wow. So he even, even took a selfie. You guys took a selfie together in the elevator, yes, which is great. such a, a weird like poor crux sort of thing. I was like, there's so much energy in this picture and I don't get what it I is. I made sure I took the selfie before I told him who I was. So <laughs> at first it was like, hey, Congressman Kevin Yoder, how are you? And he like gets in this elevator and I was actually going down and I was supposed to get off where he was getting on, but I thought like, this is my moment. Like, <laughs> I'm not getting off this elevator. So I stay in the elevator. He's right next to me and just like, hi, Congressman Yoder. I'm from Kansas City. Um, nice to meet you. And, 
um then i basically like got a picture said hey i have a lot of friends that are like fans of yours whatever (laughs) and then um he eventually i told him that i was one of the students from march for lives kc and then he was like oh yeah i know like and then it kind of hit him like yeah, I'm one of the people who have been like in the Kansas City Star with me and the Kevin Yoder cut out because he didn't show up to our town hall. Um, That's fantastic. Yeah. Yep, that was me. Do you still have a Kevin Yoder cut out? It wasn't our uh, Yoda oh. out. It, uh, our cut out. Our Yoda out. Yoda out. That's great. That's an episode title right yeah. there. <laughs> and hopefully it wasn't Yoda our cut out. out. Um, it was um, Jay Sidey, who was one of the candidates who. Um, was running in the and Kansas O three. He brought the cutout to um, our town hall, and basically it had like a J Sidey sticker on it. So we said like, "Hey, we like we're being like, we can't choose a candidate here. We can put this cutout up here <laughs> if we put our March for Our Lives KC shirt on it." Oh and then he was like, "Okay," like his his um his team was like, okay, you guys can do that. So we're like putting this March for Our Lives KC short shirt on um, this cutout. And Sharice Davis is coming over, helping us, helping us get it on. And then all of a sudden, Jay, Jay Sidey comes over to me and the other March for Our Lives student and starts yelling at us. You can't put your stuff on my cutout. And he just like starts like yelling at us. I'm like, well, your staffer said that like we could. And like, hi, my name is Rachel Gonzalez and I planned this event and I invited you here. And he's like, oh. Like, okay. Like, I like that you get to pull the Rachel Gonzalez card in a lot of yeah. situations, which maybe it should just be your business card. Like, I, like, Rachel Gonzalez. It was just like, okay, so like you're yelling at me at an event that I planned, that I invited you to. And then he eventually realized, like, oh, yeah, like, okay, like, you're the person who planned this. Sorry. What, what I'm taking I, from this is that it feels like uh, men aren't really respectful of, of young women <laughs> in political situations. I, I, do, I do want you to just have business cards to say, Rachel Gonzalez, I planned this event. <laughs> like, you just hand them to yes. people. I, I planned this. Yeah. <laughs> kind of I invited you. <laughs> yeah. Also, how do you set up a, a town hall? Like you, we blew past that earlier, but you're like, I did, I set up a town hall. How do you just prompt something like that into existing? So we took a lot of advice from the March for Our Lives students and they um, had templates for us and like how we should plan it, what we should do. And basically we said, you know, instead of planning a town hall for Kevin Yoder that we know that he is not going to show up to, <laughs> we're going to invite all of his opponents. So we had all of the Democratic candidates and the Libertarian candidate at this town hall. At first, the first thing I did was get on my Twitter, and I was like, "Hey, I, we put out this um, this invite to all the candidates, and I tagged them all in it and said we would love to have you all here." And then whenever like Tom Neerman and Sharice Davids agreed to it, I put out Tom Neerman and Sharice Davids had agreed to it, and then I said Jay Sidey agreed to it, and. Brett Welder was the last person to agree to it. And I said on Twitter, Brett Welder is the only person we haven't heard from. Uh And of course, he responded to me after that. So uh, we got all the candidates there. Um, Congrats on shaming men into showing up to talk to a a possible constituency. Yes. (laughs) Was that... Was that the town hall where Sharice used her closing time to address uh, 
some like prejudice statements that one of her opponents said no, no that okay. was in the town hall um but one of the which sorry for everyone that's a like a video that went semi-viral in mm-hmm. the last couple weeks and it's it's great she just she had a closing uh like two minutes and she used it to address something i've searched for video and i cannot find out what the comment was that she was addressing but she basically just said that like she's running for office uh because people don't listen people don't listen to the voices that that are speaking they want to lead but they don't want to listen and uh it was it was really great maybe we can put a link in the show homophobic statement it was some yeah it it was uh, something about like there only being two genders it was chris clemens the libertarian candidate oh god yeah she got the libertarian prompt yeah and i don't know i mean that yeah like i said it went semi-viral i don't know how big a role it played in in her win but like it I, i mean i i wrote it up on a national platform and I'm sorry what is the guy running as libertarian who doesn't think the government should be involved in anything also have like strict rules on how many genders there are <laughs> I don't get libertarians I, yeah so one Back of to the, your town hall, the yeah. coolest things that Sharice Davis did at my town hall that I like immediately said like oh my gosh she's so cool <laughs> is we asked about um if they would defend DACA recipients and Sharice Davis basically like once we got to her she stood up, got the microphone, and she said, I got arrested defending DACA. And then she sat back down and I was like, this was like one of the most mic drop coolest <laughs> moments that have ever happened. Everyone cheered. It was so cool. I have no hypotheticals for this answer. Yeah. What I have is an arrest record. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Wow. She's so great. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> We're all just sitting in silence. Yeah, and in another awe thing of her. that she did that surprised me is we always make sure we have sign language interpreters at mm-hmm. our events, mm-hmm. our March for Lives, Town Hall, Road for Change. And, she brought her own. Um, she came over to um, the deaf gentleman that was in the audience and she started signing to him. She knew sign language and I was just like, oh my God, is she like signing to him right now? Like it was just like one of those moments where it was just like, wow, like she's so cool. Yeah. She knows we all saw these her cool in things. the back of a Mexican restaurant when we first moved here yeah. and she had her own sign language interpreter. Yeah, she... there. I was like, so that's somebody that, that gives a shit about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She what? No, I was saying like oh, she. I, I I I don't know if that interpreter comes to all of her events, but it's it's pretty standard for her. It's just one very cool thing mm-hmm. among many cool things. She, she just has this list of cool things about her. I think yeah. that that's why. I, mm-hmm. I, I was very disappointed when uh, Bernie and everyone came out to support her opponent, and mm-hmm. when Emily's list didn't. Support no, Emily's her. list supported her. I think. I think. Emily's list supported Sharice yeah. Davis. Great. Okay, yeah. yeah. I was confused there. Yeah. Why People they... said that she got corporate money because Emily's list. It's Emily's her. list. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally Emily's list. It's not... <laughs> uh, they just say, hey, this is important. Yeah. Like, that's the... yeah. This is a Democratic woman running for office. Vote for her. Like, yeah. that's that's well, that's what Emily's list is. Um, Let's talk about where Yoder's money comes from. Like, <laughs> yeah. come on, that's not a... Uh. <laughs> so what do you look for in a candidate? Like, what gets you excited about supporting someone? I think what gets me excited about supporting a candidate is definitely, like, the policies. Um, the main things that I really care about are gun control, um, racial equality, and women's rights. Um, and I kind of look at those three things and say, like, how do they... How are they supporting these people? How are they supporting all people? And um, that's where I really decide who I want to support. Since you were nine, uh, have you seen um, much of a change in local politics? Like, I mean, we're new to the area, but 
I I was surprised by what like a blue little oasis this is in a big red state because there's the perception that pretty much all of Missouri and the surrounding area is just super conservative, but that's not what we've found at all. And I don't know if that is, uh, how does, how does this year and this election, um, differ in comparison to what, what you've seen? I think that the biggest difference about this election, um, in 2018 is that it's not a presidential election. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that a lot of people, especially young people, they tend to only want to care when it's a presidential election. And then whenever it's a midterm election, they don't want to care. But the thing that's different this time around is that with the whole March for Our Lives movement, Road for Change, and all the young people getting registered to vote, people are starting to care whether they're 16, 17, 18. uh, They're getting out, they're volunteering for campaigns, they're registering people to vote, and that's making a really big difference. Yeah. I mean, a, a primary election on on an off year on mm. for before midterms, the ACLU is having to investigate precincts running out of ballots because mm. they're not supposed to do that. But like, wh- what? How do you run out of ballots for on a for a primary? Like that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah doesn't people happen. are excited. I, I assume that that happened under Kobach. Uh, for those that don't know. Uh, Chris Kobach uh, is in a governor's race right now against our current governor, uh, and Kobach's office is in charge of monitoring voter fraud, and there's just a lot of voter fraud that's apparently happened in a in a in a race that's now down to maybe a hundred votes, including Kobach's office telling various districts just don't send your votes in. So he had to recuse himself last night. Oh, I didn't finally, see that. Good. Because <laughs> the governor, who he's running against, demanded that he do so. And I was like, I'm surprised he listened. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's just, a, it's like, but why did he get a week there? Why did he have that time mm-hmm. to do that? Mm-hmm. He's also the same person that brought a giant replica machine gun to a parade. Yep. <laughs> Brock's ranted about that quite a bit. <laughs> the day it happened, I was just like, look where we moved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah, it's uh, and and replica is always in parentheses because no one knows. Like yeah, that no was his excuse knows. later. And it's like, <laughs> he said it sure, was. well, who can tell? Yeah. Uh, and I have some friends that do a military leftist podcast called "What a Hell of a Way to Die," and they saw the pictures of him going down Main Street in a parade with the gun mounted that way, and they're like, "U.S. military doesn't mount guns on jeeps like that." You know who does that is is ISIS. <laughs> That's the only other time I've ever seen a gun mounted in that way driving down the streets of a city. It's who we're fighting against. Like, he's taken a page out of the ISIS playbook. Like, there's no one else upset by that, at least. Everything's great. Everything's good. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we managed to defeat uh, a union-busting bill in our election. Uh, unfortunately, uh, another pesky Nazi snuck through, uh, though, in, uh, in uh, northern Kansas City, uh, or a northern Missouri district. Uh, yeah, the, uh, uh, Who can even keep track of all the... Nazis running. Yeah, the pitch had a piece on him yesterday. He loves to make videos uh, where he dresses up uh, in a weird, terrible Jew Afro costume uh, and then rants about how the Jews are bad and Islam is bad for America and stuff. And it's like, that guy's on the ballot now. And the the Republican National Convention loves to say, like, these people keep sneaking through. I was like, I don't think they're sneaking through. I think they're kind of like waving their arms and yelling racist slurs as they walk right through. Doing the loud part loud again. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Make the loud part loud again. 
Yeah, so that we got one of those locally. So that's something I think I'm going to sink some time into, mm-hmm. uh, making sure people uh, know what they're getting into. And hopefully people will surprise me and, and care about that. <laughs> I would hope it shouldn't be a surprise, but that's where we are. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel, what's on, what's on your agenda your liberal agenda from now <laughs> till uh, November. I mean, you're going to be in school. Yeah, I'll definitely be uh, back in school at Missouri Western and St. Joe, but I'll be helping Claire McCaskill from there. Nice. Cool. Um, that's pretty, it's a pretty rad district, but my campus is pretty democratic. Um, and I think that there's a lot of votes that people aren't trying to get there that we can get. So I'm going to try to do everything I can in that area. For people that are finding themselves excited about these midterm elections, um, but don't really know what to do other than get registered to vote and vote, um, what would you recommend for people that like have this political energy but don't know what to do with it? I think the first way to start politics in the way that I started is um, start attending Democratic events. Because once you start meeting people, you start going to these events, they start pulling you in more. (laughs) And then you start volunteering, you learn how to canvas, you learn how to phone bank, you really know how to run a grassroots campaign, and that's how we win. Nice. Uh, We end every episode of the show here by uh, doing a a pop culture recommendation, something that either you've always really enjoyed, a movie, TV show, book, or something that you've just been uh, plowing through lately. Uh, My recommendation this week, there's a book out by a guy named... uh, (laughs) Jason Candor, uh, called Outside the Weir, Outside the Wire. Uh, You're being is, funny, but it's a visual joke. And it's a visual joke. You know what? You're right. Thank you for waiting <laughs> yeah. and let me know when I'm not funny. You're uh, always funny. Well, not this time. You could be funnier. Uh, yeah, Jason and Diana and their son, True Candor. True Candor. True Candor. Uh, just a uh, really cool story. Uh, he was actually going to call the book um, How to Get Into Politics without becoming a tool. Uh, and I, I wish he would have gone with that outside of the wire reference to when you're off base uh, in, a, in a war zone. Uh, so it's like that one takes more explaining than the don't be a tool book. But it really is about that. It is about how to get into politics and not let anything change you because what he has learned over time is that um, just being a, a good person and having your sets of values and sticking to those that'll always serve you better in the long run. Like he has lost a major election, but he will not lose any of the next few elections that he has uh, because people can see through it when you say one false statement uh, or when you're backed by one special interest that you don't agree with. uh, And he is just making sure to never go down that path. And that makes him a really interesting guy with a a really cool life story, including almost getting killed over a whopper in a war zone. Uh, it's really fun, interesting book and, and just really glad that he's going to be our next mayor. So mm-hmm. that'll be fun. Viv, what, Oh, I, I'm on Twitter at Brock Wilbur. Uh, come find the other podcasts I do, including carrying into the void and the coolest kids. Viv, where can people find you online? Um, Oh, well the next episode of coolest kids will be, has that out yet? That's out tomorrow morning. Oh, wow. Uh, so that will be like yesterday morning, depending on when this podcast comes out. No one knows. Uh, we have no schedule. But I guessed it on that. That's Brock's emo podcast with Terrence. Um, and they had me on for their one year anniversary, despite the fact that I don't really like emo. So that was fun. Nor did you like the man behind the band that no, we talked about. No, I did about, not. So. so that's fun. I mean, everyone should listen to that. Um <clears throat> Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Viv underscore Kane and at the MarySue.com every day. Uh, since we already talked so much about Married at First Sight, um, 
Oh, so this upcoming Friday after this podcast comes out, uh, everyone go see Crazy Rich Asians because it is so good. It's it's as good as everyone was hoping for. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, it's um, it's a rom-com based on a book of the same name uh, starring Constance Wu from Fresh Off the Boat, who is amazing. It's the first movie put out by a major American studio in 25 years since the Joy Luck Club that has an entirely Asian cast. Um, and they just... Since the Joy Luck Club? Yep. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they got a really lucrative offer from Netflix and turned it down because they knew how important this was representation-wise uh, for all of the movies starring Asian leads that are just waiting to be greenlit by studios because they don't know if it can make money. So this is something like, it's a really great movie, but also go see it opening weekend because they those big opening weekend numbers will actually matter in the future of, of Asian-led movies. Um, also, it's just really great. I went to, they hosted a, uh, like a girls' night out screening, um, and I was lucky I got to go to that, and I brought like four of my friends and uh, just had wine and watched the movie and had such a really great time. Um, so it's a lot of fun, uh, and opening weekend is really important. Rachel, where can people find you online? People can find me on Twitter at Rachel R. Gonzalez, or my Twitter name is Rachel Gone, KCMO, with G-O-N in the middle. That's where you get into fights with politicians. Yes. <laughs> I have a very interesting Twitter feed. I would highly recommend it. I just, I just followed. I also recommend it. <laughs> um, and what, what pop culture thing would you recommend that either you've always loved or you're into right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we never Netflix, we never warn anyone about this. What was the last thing that you saw or read that you liked? I mean, you do you even uh, have free time? I <laughs> have you ever seen a movie for a very long time? Yeah, <laughs> you you recommend Majority politics? 54. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they have a really good producer this season. I've heard. Oh. Good. I'm glad we could put you on the spot and I could get a compliment yeah. out of it. Usually, there's nothing you want to. Nothing else. All right, that's really cool. Uh, this has been Missouri Loves Company. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please rate, review, tell a friend about it, and uh, please follow Rachel, uh, who yeah. is going to outlive all of us and do much more important things because she <laughs> already has. Yeah, <laughs> more important than we'll ever do. We have a podcast. That's like helping. <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs>